From Talk Radio NYC, welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, professional interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in Manhattan. And I guess, as of right now, a radio talk show host. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here, and I'm so glad to have you listening to the very first show. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. As an interior designer, I'm asked a lot of questions every day. And ever so often I'm asked, what is interior design, really? And what does an interior designer do other than pick out fabrics and paint colors? Well, hmm. I decided that it's my turn to ask the questions. And I think on the very first show, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I think the big question, the big elephant in the tent question is how on earth are you going to talk about the visual art of interior design on the radio? It's a very good question, if I say so myself. Um, one I've been thinking about for a while, and um, certainly I've been thinking about it the past couple of months. But I think I figured it out, or at least I think I have, and I have two thoughts about it. One, we're going to post photos on Instagram about the conversation and subject matters that we're having here each and every week. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. That's at home with DTI. And take a look at some of the photos we posted tonight. The second part of that question, well, it took a while, but it kind of came to me simply because it's something that I live with and work by every single day. And that is this that the best designs for your life start at home. I mean, isn't that incredible? Think of the thousands of meanings, and I want to talk about all of those, but think that comes from that one thought, that one statement, that one philosophy, that the best designs for your life start at home. And what is the core, the, the core essence of that? Starts at home. The best designs for your life start at home. So I want to unpack that. I want to explore how we get to that. I want to understand that better. And I want to understand how the interior design process answers that question. And maybe more importantly, how interior design has the ability to turn a house into a home. So in answering that, we have to understand a couple of things. We have to understand desire, and we have to understand need and fulfillment. So desire, is there a desire? I don't know, a wish or a want, a longing for, <laughs> a hankering, I guess in some Beverly Hillbillish sort of way? <laughs> or is it an eagerness and a determination to have a home that reflects us, who we are, and who we want to be. And I think that's pretty exciting stuff. And what about need? 
Is there a need for interior design? A need, really? We speak about need in human terms, the need for water or the, need, the human need for food. But I think we need more than that. I think we need beauty and I think we need comfort. And I think we need a beautifully designed kitchen that's full of memories and a place to sit and read that has really good, well-planned lighting. And what about a comfortable chair in an incredibly comfortable living room that sits next to a fireplace with an incredibly beautiful cocktail table and a glass of wine to talk to our very best friends? And we need a bed in a velvety, cozy bedroom with crazy good, luxurious bedding to sleep well in and to get a good night's rest so that we can conquer the world tomorrow. And we need aesthetic joy, the happiness of living with the things around us. So hang on, I'm not done yet. How are we gonna get there? How do we even begin this process? How do we even start? And where do the ideas come from? And how do we figure it out and plan for it and, and program it? And how do ideas change and evolve and adapt and how does it get developed and built? And who pays for it? And how do we budget for it? And how do we make sure that all of our dreams come true? Okay, I got a couple more. What about psychology? The psychology of home. Sounds kind of weighty, a little bit scary. But how do we live in our spaces? And how does our personal history affect our design decisions? Well, I think that's a good one. I mean, wow. And how do we interpret things like color? But more importantly, how does the impact of design affect our daily lives? I think there's many, maybe a month or so just on that subject alone. And finally, I want to talk about beauty. You know, we don't talk about it enough. There's enough ugliness in the world. So Let's talk about something beautiful. What is beauty? What does it mean? And how do we trust that, that something that we think is beautiful really is? So let's discover it. Let's examine it. And let's look at it and put a meaning behind it. What is beautiful and why is it beautiful to me? And if I can't figure it out, and if we can't figure it out together, then we're gonna bring in all the professionals. We're gonna talk to the architects and the builders and the cabinet makers and the artists. And we're gonna ask them what is beautiful and how, do, how does their design process work? And how does their designs affect our homes? So I think you have a pretty good idea of what the show's about. I wanna take a big, deep dive and explore the meaning and the importance of interior design. So I've eaten up a pretty good amount of my time in this very first segment, and they're telling me I need to talk a little bit about myself. Well, certainly it's my least favorite subject. I like to talk about politics, books, and the TV shows I don't watch, and my garden, things like that. And we have plenty of time to talk about my history as the show progresses. But I will tell you this. 
In some way or another, I was always meant to be an interior designer. And I don't know if it was because my grandparents owned a furniture store, and, you know, I think I, I like to have thought that maybe I was busy arranging the furniture vignettes with my grandmother, but more than likely I was in the back of the store helping my grandfather load the delivery truck. So I guess it could have been that. Or maybe it was the bedroom I had growing up. I had this incredible wallpaper mural of a Hawaiian beach scene. And on one wall, I had painted the color Amazon green. And on the other wall was the perfect shade lighter than that. And I had found this incredible bamboo pole that I turned into a curtain rod. And I handmade my own macrame window treatments. Hmm. So I guess it could have been that. But more than likely, I got my style and my panache from an olive green and brown plaid leisure suit that I absolutely had to have for my junior high school graduation. You can see that on Instagram. So it could have been that. But I think it was something a little bit more profound. I went to see Stephen Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George, starring Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters. And at the very beginning of the show, the character George Seurat, the French pointillist artist, was stage right. And he starts the show by singing this. White, a blank page or canvas. Bring order to the whole through design, composition, tension, balance, light, and harmony. And like a bolt of lightning out of the sky, all of my worlds collided. My childhood, my dreams, my young adulthood, my future. And all these years later, I'm sitting in front of this microphone talking about interior design. When we come back, we're going to talk to my dear friend and architect, Kyle Page from Sundial Studios. But let's first listen to Mandy Patinkin seeing the opening to Sunday in the Park with George a thousand times better than what is rambling around in my head. White. A blank page or canvas? The challenge, bring order to the whole. Through design, composition, tension, balance. and harmony. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Follow Me Friday Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Welcome back. Let me introduce my dear friend and architect, Kyle Page, from Sundial Studio. Glad to be here, David. Hey, Kyle. Kyle and I are going to do a little bit of a back and forth, sort of like we're having a couple beers after a client meeting. Um, we like to talk about design a lot, and uh, we like to get into the thick weeds about it. So, Kyle, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. And um, I'm going to start you off in a way that I'm going to hopefully start everybody off. And this is my internal quest to uh, discover the meaning of beauty. You have a beautiful wife and beautiful children, but what is beautiful to you? And more specifically, uh, what's beautiful in your home that you surround yourself with? (laughs) Wow, that is a big question to start with. Um, You know, my first reaction, I think in a design, from a design standpoint, the things I find most beautiful and this is a little bit off subject, yes, about my family, but I'll just say it's a, from a design standpoint, I find the things that are thoughtful and well-considered to be really the most um, striking objects, the striking, most striking spaces. And um, I think that leads me, you know, when I named my firm Sundial Studios, I've always been fascinated by sundials, and the, uh, but a sundial recognizes both the place that it's at and then the larger connotation of its location on the earth and of the location of the sun within the solar system and so it's that balance of recognizing something so large and something so intimate and small at the same time wow that is um as excited me just even as a design idea and um as far as in my family you know, my family in and of itself is a, a wonderful and beautiful thing i'm going to help you with that because we just looked at a couple of pictures of your new uh country home and there's this incredibly beautiful dining room table that that you did or tell us about that because it's beautiful thank you the with the sighting of the house uh, required that we take down this 120 year old sugar maple that was absolutely beautiful it was it was half dead though and dropping branches and just um, you know so the sighting and also just safety required that we take sighting which is the, the exact location, location of, of where you house. put the house on in your property exactly yeah, yeah. And so um, we, I actually got a, a local Sawyer on the site and uh, turned it in and uh, quarter, 
quarter sawed the um, the log, then had it kiln dried, and uh, then just had a local furniture maker fabricate into a dining room table and the benches. And right now, that dining room table and the benches are sitting 20 feet away from the stump of from the tree, wow. which uh, originated the wood. And it came together uh, just wonderfully. It's really interesting. It has beautiful figuring, and unfortunately, there's not a picture on Instagram, but we'll add one. Yeah, but I'll get you one. What's interesting about... Um, old wood and we don't have the opportunities to be around old wood a lot anymore but the figuring or the graining or the character of the tree and when it's over a hundred years old is a masterpiece onto itself and I think that table is absolutely drop dead from that standpoint. Yeah, it has some wonderful dynamic figuring in it. That was a total surprise. You know, I I came in. Yeah, how would went, you know? You'd have to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, yeah. We had to undress the board in yeah, order exactly. to kind of discover that. Yeah. And it's um and I had some ideas for the design, the layout, the detailing of it, but I was amazed when I actually had it assembled last week for the first time about just how the the graining and the figuring and the wood just augmented things just so so well. Awesome. What was the first thing that you said um, about what you thought was beautiful from uh, well well thought out and conceptual? Uh, thoughtful and well considered. Thoughtful and well considered, which is a beautiful statement unto itself, and it's a, it's an interesting thing. I think talking to an architect versus an interior designer from the standpoint that you know what's beautiful to me, and I have a couple different ideas right off the te- top of my head. What I think is beautiful in my home, one is this um, amazing Weller pottery collection that I have from like 1910, 1920. I, I absolutely adore it. But um, it's the handcraftedness of it. Um, it's the hand glazing of it um, that I just cherish and, um, and I love to have around me. And I do. I have a lot of it. So I have a lot around it. But it's not at all the same considered uh, idea of uh, beauty that you just mentioned. So I find that just to be an interesting contrast. I think I gave you a more conceptual answer <laughs> and not a specific one. I will tell you another beautiful thing that, um, that I have in my house. Uh, which is this collection of drawings. Um, And they go back as early as 15th century. I was really lucky to get a couple of those. Yep. Um, But the ones that I really, really love... Where did you source these? uh, Paris Flea Market mostly, or that's where the collection started to grow. Um, We were just talking about the Paris Flea Market. It's a pretty special place, especially if you dig deep into the back of the booze. You can really find some incredible things, of which uh, is where I got... Uh, this idea of collecting drawings that uh, were on, what would you say, recycled paper, but the recycled paper was an old letter or a page from a book. Or and th- these uh, are 400, 500 years old? No, no, no. The, the, the letters and the pages of the book are more recent, okay. um, but the collection itself spans that amount of time. But I just I love, again, going back to even the pottery, I love the humanness of using something like a letter that, you know, is in French and uh, just it was it, the, to translate it. It's it's nothing really important. It was you know we went to the market and the day was beautiful. But there's this incredibly gorgeous drawing of this woman and um, with a, a huge hat on and it's spectacular and it's all in front of this letter. So anyway, that's you know those are my concepts of of what I think are really beautiful and what I like to surround myself with. Um, but uh, 
I seek beauty all the time. So there's a lot of things uh, that I find beautiful, and those are just two examples of what those are, and I'm sure the same is true for you. Oh, for sure. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've been thinking so much about how we even got here, you know. Uh, it's been such a big part of my the game that I've been playing in my head. Um, design, interior design, and stuff like that. So I was trying to remember what my <laughs> my first quote unquote design was. Can do you remember what yours was? Who? Um, I'm going back a lot further than you are, so hopefully you'll remember. You know, I I kind of fell into architecture, uh, not entirely, but a little bit by accident. I entered college into the engineering degree and then transferred through just because the engineering wasn't sticking. And the um, and I tell you, I um, I count my lucky stars. I ended up in this profession because it is, um, you know. I think me and you as well are in the profession of making beautiful things, and there's nothing finer. Um, but I would say that it really, you know, I graduated and, and was designing skyscrapers. I was designing, um, you know, urban parks. I was the, um, and then ended up and just kind of went across a, a wide gamut um, within the profession. And then when I opened up my office 10 years ago, I think that's when I really um, would say it was my first designs, the ones that I owned. You know, I, I definitely contributed throughout the years, but the ones that I really owned and, you know, uh, developed and, um, you know, was fully accountable for and was responsible for was really just about 10 or 12 years ago. So before we first met, you had just finished an incredible series of cabins in Maine, was it? Yes. That were outstanding. Um, but we did, our first uh, design together was uh, technically in, uh, difficult. Uh, we tried to make a duplex um, from a new construction um, on the Upper East Side. And to make that successful, we had it cut into the structural floor. Yeah, that was the... It was a new, uh, was that thirty-story building that yeah, on the east like side, that. and we had to cut a hole um, between two apartments above and below each other in order to install a connecting stair, and was incredibly difficult. We had to enlist the structural engineer that uh, designed the building. Built the building, yeah. And he was a crusty old fellow, <laughs> and. Um, but we were able to get a small opening in that we were able to squeeze the smallest code compliance stair possible within and also detail quite well. Yeah, it looks and great. It, yeah, there was a lot of metal. That, do you have that photo up? No, we, you know, we can add that, but that would be a good idea. But there was a lot of wonderful metal details uh, to that stair because it had to affix itself. Anyway, it, it was that's a wonderful first design that you and I uh, did together. Um, yeah. and that and, was uh, that was twelve years ago, I believe. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, what was your first design? Oh my gosh. So, n nowhere near as elegant as any of that, and I'm sure my family will get the biggest kick out of it. But I think honestly, um, I created a pond in my backyard, uh, hmm. and. Uh, uh, so I, I, you know, did the whole thing, dug the hole, did the cement. Uh, I remember distinctly thinking that I had to paint the cement blue to make it look like a pond. And, uh, and then I remember it, it distinctly... It sounds like an L.A. decision. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. It was that color blue, too. And, um, and then I needed a waterfall, and I was mad at myself because I didn't think that I needed a waterfall. And so you could see the hose to the waterfall and the pump and the... 
in the pond and then the electrical cord and that all made me kind of crazy because I couldn't figure out how to hide it. The end of the story is that I filled it with uh, goldfish or whatever and I woke up the next morning to see how my beautiful pond was and all the goldfish <laughs> were gone. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> about nine or, nine or ten. It was my first uh, uh, design failure maybe is... is well, may you have many, many more. <laughs> How we look at it. Yeah, it is, it is a part of the process. Um, uh, let's think of something else. When did you know and what was it that, that, what was it specifically that made you interested in architecture and design? Was there something that happened or did you see something or, you know? Oh, I, I think I've always really enjoyed the complexity um, and understanding the complexity of how things come together. And, you know, and I like to say that um, I think successful architecture is finding elegant solutions to complex problems. And I don't mean problems in a, with a negative connotation, but, you know, complex situations. Uh, so repeat that, because that, again, is a beautiful statement. Finding so. elegant solutions <laughs> elegant. to complex situations. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and be that program, be that site-specific elements, be it the politics of a co-op board, whatever it may be. But finding that, um, that solution that balances against all those points. And I think as a Conceptually, I think I've always been attracted to that kind of um, that problem solving, and I think it's a it's a type of problem solving that is kind of at the b base of all um, you know I think good design as well. Um, I, very well said. Uh, I when I talk to the kids a lot, I always speak about um, confident moments uh, that. Um, that direct you or, or, or indicates to you that you're in the right direction, I should say. And, um, and I was fortunate enough to um, be a retail buyer um, in a large home furniture, furniture store here in Manhattan. And every week I had the opportunity to see things that I had developed or designed or merchandise or, you know, had something about changing something or adapting something for my customers in my store and the confidence of seeing that sell quickly and knowing that I was understanding um, who my customers were and what I was trying to do gave me a tremendous amount of confidence and I was able to do that for a long period of time so I was really able to stretch my experience and my knowledge and uh, my technical skills and so that that's sort of the first thing that gave me a lot of confidence. And in I think, and, and even the projects that we've worked on together, you know, I'm still amazed that you know, for a project to go from conception to completion, it can be one, two years, even more. And I think at every time that, ha like, to see something of that scale, you know, go through the fruition of the, through that process to you know, a beautiful thing at the end of it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is. It's one of my most favorite things about what we do is to have that initial visual concept in your head of what this home's going to look like. And then two years later, 18 months later, as with some of my projects, three years later, it actually is that original thought, that original picture in your head. Do you remember I, um, about six months ago, uh, we just completed a project on the Upper West Side yep. here, and I found some of the original uh, sketch layouts that were inside of a roll of trace, and I scanned them and sent them to the client and to you, and it was just, it was a blast to see that. Like, just the, the, the most embryonic ideas that we had started the project with, and then 
to look at those while we had the completed project was just fascinating. So great. So great. Hey, let's do, uh, let's come back and we'll have a couple more questions and uh, we'll continue on from there. Okay, we'll be back right after this break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hey, Kyle, do you want to answer a couple more questions for me? I would love to. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's talk about process, because that's something I'm really curious in, uh, curious about. No matter who, who I'm going to talk to, um, you know, a textile designer, uh, a builder, but certainly an architect. And um, can, you, or, or, can you describe what your creative or your design process is? Um, and are they different? Um, and how does it work for you? When I start a project, um, and it, this isn't the most elegant visual, but the I kind of feel like I'm making a snowball, as in like I'm gathering a lot of disparate information, be it you know a program, be it um, design goals, be it um, you know material, be it you know views, be it um, whatever it may be. You know every project is unique with the the pieces that you know you're presented with at the beginning. And I think um, when in the beginning of the design process is really just kind of accumulating that and kind of packing it like a snowball and just seeing how the pieces interact, how they fit together. And I um, I usually find at a certain point um, they start. Uh, they start feeding each other. These different disparate pieces begin to start answering the other pieces in it, and then and that's that's a great time. And then that's when I, you know you can kind of step back a little bit, and uh, kind of you know and you know the the design itself kind of takes over a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of um, initial information 
that we take in um, that has to get sorted through, um, especially in the beginning of the process. And they're fundamentals that I think a design, if it's going to be successful, it has to address correctly. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I had, um, in preparing for the show over the last couple of weeks, I um, had a completely different process, uh, creative process in preparing for the show than I do for preparing, preparing for a project. And I was fascinated by that. I felt like there was this little gremlin sitting on my shoulder going, this isn't how you do things, right? <laughs> um, but I went, uh, I went, om- went kind of quiet. Right. I usually when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm drawing or I'm writing up schedules or I'm dealing with um, a certain part of the design plan, I usually have, you know, maybe uh, music on or the news or something just sort of almost entertaining me as I progress. And for this, I just went quiet. I turned off all the music. Um, I became incredibly cerebral and, um, and, uh, just started to, to write and talk to myself. And, um, I was fascinated that my process had changed so dramatically, um, from the different, uh, things that I was doing. So it'll be interesting to see as the show pro- progresses, if which one takes over or if there'll be separate paths or how it will, how it will play out. I do find it interesting. I think my design process has evolved. You know, it evolves every year, and it's nothing that I really... True, I true. keep a tight leash on, but it's it's kind of... Um, uh, it kind of tells me where it wants to go. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it will. It will be really interesting. You know, my next question is, um, is about inspiration. So, um, who inspires you and, and why? I mean, it's pretty straightforward question I guess I you know I, I think a lot of well my family inspires me for sure you know I think a lot of um, we're going to uh, get to that actually but go ahead sorry yeah. yeah but a lot of the decisions I make professionally mm-hmm. or personally are really um, are based on them the but but as far as like as design goes, I wouldn't say I have a an architect. A, no, I'm, I uh, there are so many architects that have done so many great things. There's some architects that have done some bad things as well. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, I can't say I'm one that has a favorite architect. But there's uh, there's myriad architects I enjoy in different ways for their use of material, their use of a form or whatever it may be. But you know, I think Tato Ando is one. Peter Zumthor is one. Um, but you know, more than I could really recount. Yeah, I think it's one of the exciting things about living in New York um, is that we can be inspired every day. Um, I, I certainly, it's important to me, and uh, I can't imagine maybe not living here for that reason, that you can turn a corner. It's funny, in, in New York, you know, let's say um, I was working on a bathroom and I couldn't figure out, you know, how to do a return or a, turn or a corner or whatever, and you, you turn the street and all of a sudden, you know, 30 feet high, there's this perfect, you know, example of how you should uh, take care of that in your design of, you know, the master bathroom than Connecticut. And know. I do that frequently. A lot of times I just park a question in my head and, and let it, let it simmer Wait. there for a week. And uh, generally I will come across a solution that I would not have um, you know, even seen had it not been parked there. I think I, I think that again I'm inspired by most everything and it's, it's a big thrill for me. But if I had to um, 
if there's something that it really inspires me, I'm going to say that it's the Giacometti brothers. And uh, there's an incredible exhibition now going on at the Guggenheim. I went the other week. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, so you saw We had friends yeah. from out of town, so yeah. it's like that's the best excuse to get to museums sometimes. Um, I have always, they've always been a big part of my um, mature design uh, life and persona. Um, and they're brothers, and one was an, uh, an amazing artist, the other was a sculptor and a furniture maker. And, um, and what I think that uh, inspires me most about them is, is a contradiction to how I work and how um, I proceed or, or plan something out, but they, they have such incredible freedom. Um, I, can, I can never get their their names right who was the artist who was the sculptor but you know if you look at a painting the hand is just like free and moves all over and it could be a, a gorgeous portrait that took thousands and thousands of charcoal strokes to, to make it turn into that incredibly beautiful form and the same thing with the furniture it just it's just like molded out of their hands and I just love that sense that that abandonment or what seems you know mm-hmm. uh, purposeful abandonment and so they inspire me a lot and when I get stuck or I get in a corner I flip through a couple images of the Giacometti brothers to get me wrapped up again. you say that's in contrast to some of your work? Well, your- you know, I think kind of what, how you were answering before, we start every project sort of rigid. There's rules and there's, you know, we're trying right. to hit budgets and we're trying to, you know, make sure that our timing is right and that, you know, there's certain kind of rules. And so we can get stuck sometimes until there's this moment that allows the creativity to come back over the form of what the project's going to be. Right. And that 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 flip to the vision of that process you know can be tricky sometimes you know so that's how I respond back to to them um, let's talk about your house and you brought up your kids and stuff and it's the it's the you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old that are absolutely adorable but so you built this weekend um, Oasis, let's call it, and you have these small children. It's absolutely a, a beautiful, beautiful home. But thank you. How um, how how did that play into your process? Your own children, you know what they need. You know what what has to happen in your house, um, and so how did that speak to you in designing it? Uh, well. You know, we bought uh, 19 acres up, uh, up near Ellenville. It's about two hours away from New York City. And it was vacant land. And I tell you, going up there with my kids was um, it, to see it through their eyes, to see where they gravitated to, how they, where they played on the land was just so vital. Um, and then um, the... And well, we it's a, has a one-acre pond on it, and you know, just from seeing their response to it, we ended up locating the house on the north side of the pond, where you get all of the sparkle of the sunlight off the pond. And then we, and a lot of the design too is based off of just the um, the inside-outside kind of relationship, where we uh, the the whole south end of the uh, gable form is is glazed and just have this wonder relation, wonderful relationship with the interior and the exterior spaces. And so it was kind of, you know, and it was, it was a lovely opportunity for two reasons. One is, um, you know, I, I lived in Telluride, Colorado before I moved to New York City, and uh, which is about as different as you can be from two locations. <laughs> it sure is. And the work I was doing there was mainly custom residential in a, in a mountain vernacular, mind you. But the... Um, 
but the but I found it was the work that I really enjoyed the most was doing custom residential. So it was an opportunity one for creating a, a place for my family. And one of the best joys of living in New York City is getting the hell out of here every now and then. And then secondly, I it, love it, my gravel driveway. Exactly. Yeah. And the um, and then secondly, it was a, it was an opportunity just to kind of create a platform to do similar type work. And right. so, and it, uh, we just got the CFO last week. You know, it's still yeah, warm from the printer, and we were able to spend all week up there last week, and it was just lovely. And to see my kids running around, what was an idea for a year and a half, you know, and it's um, for the first time was just incredible. It's really important, I think, for for all of us, or certainly who are in the custom home business, to build our own homes. Um, oh, and the learning. The learning, you, you know, you, yeah, you have a, a lot more patience for your clients. Oh, yeah, it does. Right? And yeah, the, the it litmus. teaches you a lot. Yeah, yeah, it teaches you a lot. And uh, you, hit, you had a, 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 you know, a modest budget, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. And you picked some incredible materials to fall into that uh, category of not spending too much money on the form. Um, and you did that incredibly well. The house sits on the property so amazingly beautiful. Yeah, I think the two most successful aspects of that design was the materiality, where it's just raw concrete, it's Corten's uh, steel. Corten's steel. Is, uh, Corten's steel is a type of steel that is designed to rust and have the oxidized rusted and it already has hasn't it, it? Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much yeah, about pretty much. 80 percent there yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then that oxidation uh, protects the seal similar to a paint and can even exceed paint and sort of like the statue of liberty but not made out of copper not made out of copper. but the idea copper that is about the patina protects more expensive. It. Yeah. yes exactly. yeah 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 but that, um, but that, it was a cost-effective material, which was very fortunate, just because of uh, some budgetary considerations. Um, but it it, were, it blended so well with the site and the palette of the site, and then also with the uh, the other exterior cladding materials. So it's so interesting, and um, we have um, you use three materials as the core element of the house, and it was repeated and used in, in large frame. But the project that we just finished together, we kind of did the same thing. We we used three basic materials to speak throughout the house, mm -hmm. and it's a it, or the apartment, and it's a, it's a it's a fascinating place to walk into because there's a simplicity to the elegance of the design, and that's an amazing equation uh, to sit on and to figure out and to uh, have it be so successful. Um, don't yeah. you think? I mean, I mean, I've just, I still respond to it every time I walk in. That was a fun project that we yeah. just wrapped up. Yeah. And that, um, this was an apartment renovation uh, in a pre-war building. Uh, was it, I think, 1,800 square feet. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath. But then we uh, we renovated, maintaining a lot of the pre-war detailing, yeah. but then did a pretty modern wash through it, where it's mainly panel, uh, walnut paneling and then concrete tiles. And, yeah, big, uh, large format slab almost of pre-stained concrete tiles and the combination of the walnut. Um, and then I think what was really, we did these big decisions with the simple material palette, but then I think your interiors, is, uh, it played off that so well. Yeah, well, we tried, right? Yeah, tried to just, blend it out. Listen, we're almost done with, uh, with some of these questions, so thank you, but do you mind sticking around and we're going to take uh, some questions off of Twitter? Oh, and sounds great. Can you help me answer a couple of those? Oh, we'd love to. So we're going we're gonna to do that and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. with your body shape or size ever feel out of control with food i'm elizabeth tripp your host of nourish the soul join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life join us every wednesday at my new time 7 p.m eastern standard time on talkradio.nyc TalkingAlternative.com Hey, uh, so we got some questions from Twitter, so let's try to see if we can knock a couple of those out. Um, here's the first one. Um, it's from GH City Girl, and it says, Congratulations on your first show. Thank you so much. And I'm currently purchasing my dream house and have been wondering how do I even begin the design process? So that's a good question, and certainly something the show is going to explore over and over and over again. I mean, I really want people to understand the whole beginning of setting up a new design, a new home, whether it's an apartment or a house. But for me, because she hasn't, it, from reading the question, she's beginning the purchase of her dream house. Um, she has a lot of time, and so to me, uh, I always advise start writing lists. List, 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 and if you're not doing it on your phone, carry that pad and that pencil everywhere you go, your car, next to you in bed, because you wake up in the middle of the night and you have a thought. And don't edit yourself at all. Just literally write everything down. Don't be embarrassed to tell the design professional, the architect, or the interior design, everything that's on your list. And then the other thing, of course, is just picture, 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 picture. Save them in Pinterest. Save them on your photo album. Cut them out of the magazines when you're in the doctor's office, like we all do. And, uh, <laughs> and just show and tell, show and tell, show and tell. And it's a tremendous time saver, and it really allows the process to get off to a really good start. <laughs> Do you have any thought about that? Yeah, I recommend, similarly, I recommend uh, cutting out images from magazine. And even if it's something that you don't want or it's something that you don't like, um, it still can be very informative because essentially, you know, and it's a good place for a designer to come in and begin to collage, you know, some of these ideas, some of these very separate and disparate things into, you know, a finished idea. Yeah, right. Let's see what else we got. So you're off to a good start. Oh, I'm loving all these uh, comments. Thank you. Um, 
You didn't mention anything about luxury or what is luxurious. Um, well, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's the first show, but um, you know that's certainly going to be a conversation that we're going to have a couple times because uh, I think uh, that's a, a really valid thing to think about. So, luxury or what is luxurious? I think there's four things to me um, that represent luxury, and one is customization. Um, whether that's customized furniture, which I do a lot. Um, uh, and I'm, it's always exciting to see uh, how your furniture comes out. But it can be built-ins or closets or office space or bathrooms or whatever. That personal customization, I think, is full, truly luxurious. Also, details. I think details are absolutely full of luxury and it can be like you have an incredible countertop edge that I had never seen before and that just literally I think lights up uh, the whole house so things like that are really exciting that was a lot of fun the and I, I find too once you get into the weeds of the design and most of the major decisions are done there's still opportunity to coax out a few things and like an area that you weren't first expecting and so and that one detail that David's mentioning we had a waterfall edge that we did a uh, a three-quarter inch chamfer on. That. Wait, wait, wait. Let me help. So waterfall <laughs> edge means that the countertop falls over the edge of the counter and, and so the, the material ground. is continuous. And then we just had the uh, three-quarter inch chamfer meet three ways mm. and just created this wonderful diamond pattern that... Um, yeah, it's faceted yeah. almost. Yeah. I had never seen it before. And it gets repeated as a theme throughout the house, doesn't it? In the ironwork and in the, the, table. the, the beautiful table that we yep, were talking exactly. about. So uh, truly, truly those are incredible details. And things just like that. But detail, detail, detail. Privacy, I think, is, in, you know all about luxury you know uh, especially in the city yeah especially in the city but you know um you know maybe it's a sitting room off of the master bedroom um uh, maybe it's a terrace you know that's you know that's anything that allows you to have a moment of repros and a moment of privacy that um i think is very luxurious and then finally comfort you know, just yeah. plain and simple, uh, high quality comfort is the end all. So I remember we did a project a few years ago where you specified suede wallpaper. I thought that was very luxurious. Oh, yeah, that was luxurious, right? Yeah. <laughs> suede wallpaper. Wow. What a concept. Hey, so we have one more. Uh, so David, love the show. We just bought a new house everybody's buying new houses. That's good for the real estate market. And we would like to change our style. Um, and make it more contemporary. The challenge is we have so many family heirlooms and antique furniture. What do we do? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, I think that it, you just have to make some decisions really quickly. And so I advise people three things. You get to keep three things. And so they need to be emotionally impactful or they need to be artistically or aesthetically beautiful. Um, and then you keep those and then you incorporate that into and it's uh, yes, and into a contemporary style, which means that it's well edited space. 
right? So the the pieces that you keep, the antique pieces that you keep, have to almost be like artwork in this contemporary, well-edited space. And then, let's say it's a desk or something, I would absolutely add to an antique desk a beautiful contemporary lamp and a beautiful contemporary chair. And we can get all about whether the finishes should be changed or not. But keep it down to three and bring them with you because that's the soul of a home. And I also feel that the difficult decisions can sometimes be the most informative. You know, the ones that make you critically analyze what's important, why is it, is it important, and what can, I, what can I definitely not live without. And I think those can be the most informative decisions. Def- yeah, making a decision... Well, I mean, that is everything, right? Making, making the right decisions. But making decisions, people have trouble making decisions. Oh, agreed. So, uh, especially when it comes to family heirlooms. Um, but the thing is, we can't love it all, and so we have to choose what we want. So, Kyle, thanks for your help with answering these questions. Oh, I think you. we're off to a first start, a good first start, and I appreciate it. And before we close out... I want to end the show a little bit like how we started tonight, with a question and some music. And the question is, what are you doing next Tuesday night at 8 p.m.? <laughs> so I hope you're going to be listening here um, and joining me and my guest, fellow interior designer, Kate Cummings. And we'll be talking together about interior design. The music, well, it's absolutely my favorite. It's Leonard Bernstein's Make Our Garden Grow, and it's from Candide, and I love absolutely everything about this piece. The struggle of man through life's journey, the optimism, the redemption, but more importantly, I love the design of it. I love the crafting of it, and in musical terms, I love the composition. It starts with a single man's voice, a single male voice, and he's beckoning or calling out. And then there's a female soprano, and then they sing together. And very slowly, the orchestra starts to come into the mix, and the voices from the chorus build and build and build, and it's full of surprises and discoveries. And that's exactly the way I like to design a home. You walk in and you see a single focus. And as you progress through the house, you add layer after layer, character after character, until you reach the crescendo of light and tension, balance, and harmony. Let's listen to Bernstein's masterpiece, Make Our Garden Grow. Kyle, I want to thank you again for being here on my very first show. I really appreciate it. You made it so much easier for me, and I'm very grateful for that. And I promise the next time we do this, we're going to have a couple beers sitting in front of us. You got a deal. Great. Sam, I want to thank Sam Leibowitz and everybody here at Talk Radio NYC. I can't go to work tomorrow if I don't thank my office, so thank you guys very, very much. Schoolhouse, number six productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't even want to try. I got to give a special call out to my incredible nephew, Benjamin Keegan, for my theme music. Ben, thank you so much. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. And why don't you take a look at my website, davidtheargartnerinteriors.com. That's I before E, interiors.com. Stay tuned to the Noreen Sumter Show, Live Life Your Way. And until next time on the radio, remember, the best designs for your life start at home. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 